I want to talk about, hello everyone, I want to talk about sex positive parenting, findingcentercounseling.com. Sex positive parenting, what it is and why do it. Maybe you've heard the term sex positive or maybe you haven't. If you have, you might be wondering what it means. Fair question. Let's start with that. Let's start with that. The sex positive movement is founded on these three beliefs. Education. Everyone should have access to comprehensive sex education. The, this curriculum ideally includes clear education on our bodies and how they work, discussion around gender and gender norms, consent, body positivity and self-love, a culture of consent. Consent is fundamental to all experiences of sex and sexuality. That means more than the absence of saying no, it means that each person has an enthusiastic yes each time. Defining ourselves, we each get to decide for ourselves how we want to identify. There are a lot of ways to do so and that diversity is awesome. This includes gender, sexual identity, and sexual preferences. And so sex-positive parenting is about raising our children with these values. If this already feels uncomfortable, that's okay. Depending on your own upbringing and the conversations you've had about sexuality throughout your life, this may be fairly new and uncomfortable for you, or maybe totally in your wheelhouse. Either way, becoming a parent gives you the opportunity to think about your relationship with your own body and sexuality, how you want to impact your child or children as they develop their sense of self. Said in another way, sex-positive parenting is about creating space to talk about sex and sexuality, removing the shame and keeping everyone safe. Most of us can agree to support those ideas. How we do them can differ quite a bit depending on our own experiences and beliefs. Let's start with education. The World Health Organization released the International Technical Guidance on Sexuality Education in January of 2018. This 138-page document has a lot of awesome information. It defines comprehensive sexuality education as scientifically accurate, age-appropriate, culturally relevant, contextually appropriate, and transformative. In the U.S., there's a big debate about abstinence-only education versus a more comprehensive approach to health and sex education. Research shows that, that comprehensive sex education programs contribute to having sex later, having less partners and less risk taking. It is also shown to contribute to higher use of condoms and contraception when individuals do become sexually active. Conversely, research shows abstinence only programs to be ineffective in delaying sexual activity and result in less use of condoms and contraception. So whether your family values center around safely exploring sexuality in your own identity or delaying sex, a comprehensive program is more likely to assist you in your desired outcome. Another bonus of providing comprehensive sex education in our schools is that if you are not comfortable talking about sex with your child or vice versa, you know the conversation is still happening. As Heather Corinna shares from a teen contributor to their book, SEX, 
the all-you-need-to-know-sexuality guide to get you through your teens and 20s. My parents don't talk to me about their sex life, so why should I talk to them about mine? Each family's dynamics are different. Even if you and your child or, or children are super close to talk about everything, it may be more comfortable for everyone to have someone else they feel safe with handling talking about sex and sexuality questions. Chances are they are talking to their friends and getting some misinformation. Part of sex positive parenting is having resources such as the book mentioned above and providing safe spaces to have conversations with someone who is knowledgeable about sexuality and about your family values. That someone may be a teacher, a counselor, a pastor, or a family friend. Whoever it is, make sure they are someone who is really comfortable talking about sexuality in an open and shame-free way. Consent is one of my strongest values and a big topic in the world these days with the Me Too movement. There are a lot of ways to look at and teach consent. I love that this conversation is happening in so many different places. Popular TV shows are doing episodes on consent. People are talking about it on social media platforms. Stand-up comedians are using it in their routines in so many more places. I have a great graphic novel on consent that I share with my teen clients. The most important thing to remember when it comes to consent is consent is not just the absence of no, it is an enthusiastic yes. If you want more ways to think about and talk about consent with your children, check out my blog here. Defining ourselves is a big topic these days in a way it likely wasn't when you were growing up. While gender differences are not new, they've been around for hundreds of years all around the globe. The openness to discuss gender, sexual orientation, sexual expression, and the choices presented have shifted vastly in the past several years. This is awesome. No longer are people left to feel like the way they feel is wrong, that nobody else feels this way, or to feel like they have no choice. The rates of self-harm and depression in people who do identify as outside the norm are significantly reduced when these conversations happen. That said, this doesn't mean there aren't growing pains for our society in this area. If your child comes to you and shares that they do not identify Again, if your child comes to you and shares that they do not identify in the way that you have always seen them, that can be hard to hear and adjust to. Like other aspects of sex and sexuality, this is a great time to have a trusted person to talk about what is going on. For both of you, you need space to talk about your feelings and grief, and they need someone who can be there to hear their journey without the personal reaction you are bound to have. As a parent, the most important thing you can do in this situation or any really is to say, I love you. Let your child know that. While you may struggle and it may take a while to figure things out and adjust as a family, you hear them and you love them. Again, those precepts of sex positive parenting. Make a safe space to talk. Avoid shame and find or create the supports needed to keep everyone safe. Even if your child is cisgendered and straight, chances are they are going to bring up conversations from school and friends that will catch you unprepared. If this happens, you can teach your child a lot about acceptance and self-education by learning 
together. I'm with Holly.com, Parenting with Purpose. 13 ways to raise sex positive kids. This is this is the date that was publicized, May 30th, 2021. Last updated on October. Last updated on August 26, 2021. Do you want to raise healthy, sex-positive kids? Here's everything you need to know about sex-positive parenting: how to avoid awkwardness. Parenting in a sex-positive manner means having honest, healthy conversations about sex and sexuality with children. The idea is to normalize conversations about sex and sexual body parts. This allows parents to make sure their kids are properly informed about sex consent and all the various aspects of sex and sexuality. How can I make my home sex positive without making it awkward? Our cultural norms have made sex a taboo subject, and a lot of parents worry about making things awkward with their children by bringing up their topic of sex. But if we use the right strategies, we can normalize conversations about sex and sexuality in your home. Here's how you can be sex positive without being weird. Use the right words for body parts. It might seem cute to make up fun names for body parts, but when we do that, we're making the actual words taboo. You're telling your kids that the actual body parts are something to be ashamed of. Teach consent from day one. Make sure your kids know that their bodies are their own. They alone control what happens to their bodies. They never have to hug or kiss anyone they do not want to. Teach them to ask first before touching others. This powerful lesson on consent will serve them well into adulthood. Have regular conversations about sex. End the idea of having the talk. Instead, make sex a regular topic of conversation when opportunities arise. Treat your own body with love and respect. Your kids are paying attention. Don't talk badly about your own body. If you do, they will internalize may develop body image issues. Don't judge, overreact, or pry. We don't want sex to be taboo, but we also want kids to understand that it is a private matter. They don't owe anyone any answers about their sexuality. Try your best to be totally neutral during your conversations with kids. Kiss your partner in front of your kids. You should also hold hands, cuddle, and flirt in front of your kids. Showing affection in front of your kids normalizes this behavior. Now, when they say that, they're not saying that being age appropriate is wrong. They're saying, no, model it in an age appropriate way. So there's no confusion for the kids. So on that one, age appropriate affection, even with hands holding, cuddling, flirting, kissing. Still has to be age appropriate, people. Correlate sex and love during conversations. It's true that this is not always the case, but in most ideal cases, sex is a part of expressing love for your partner. When your kids are old enough to have these conversations, correlate sex, physical affection, and love. Have honest conversations about sexual imagery. Your kids may see sexual imagery on TV and ads and eat 
in ads, advertisements, and even in porn. Too many kids learn about sex through these unrealistic images. Your kids be much better off if they know what's real and what's fake. Let your kids know it's okay to be sexual. Don't let your kids learn about sex and sexuality from their friends or from the internet. Give your kids permission to be open with their questions and their concerns. Make sure kids are fully informed about boundaries, consent, protection, and hygiene. Limit the conversations about the dangers of sex. While you definitely need to have conversations about sexual dangers like STDs, sexual assault, and the risk of pregnancy, don't be a dead horse. Your kids are listening. You don't want them to be afraid of being sexual beings. Never avoid the topic of sex. If your kids have questions, have the conversation. If it truly isn't a good time to have the conversation, then set a specific time to pick up the conversation. You want to foster an open, communicative environment so your kids will continue to, conf- to confide in you. Give them resources. Sometimes your kids are not going to want to talk to you about sex. Give them resources to refer to when they have questions so they aren't searching for their own answers and possibly finding inaccurate information. You might send them online resources, purchase books for them, or give them the contact information for a doctor or professional they can speak with. Share your own experiences. Of course, you probably don't want to share intimate details with your kids, but share some of your experiences with them. It will help you connect, and it's possible your kids might be able to learn from your mistakes benefits of sex positive families your entire family will benefit from a sex positive parenting approach here are some of the most valuable benefits teens from sex positive families become sexually active later have fewer sexual partners than other teens have a more positive body image are better informed about sex and sexuality more likely to find fulfilling relationships experience a healthy gender identity, communicate more openly with parents, are more likely to assert boundaries and consent, practice safer sex, are safer from sexual abuse, are more likely to disclose sexual abuse. So, also, when it comes to kids, when we talk about sex, you can also explain that some people who are in a committed relationship or a non-committed relationship can explain what that means. They also have sex in those contexts, but it's about mutual high regard holding and explain what high regard means. I also want to go to this next one. This is what sex positive parenting really looks like. As parents, we lie all the time about the Easter Bunny or Santa or the Tooth Fairy, about how long 10 minutes is, about whether or not we remember they want to have grilled cheese for dinner again. We lie a lot, but one thing I never lie about is sex. By Leah Grover, contributor, writer, and toddler, ranked by becoming supermodel. 
become a super mommy. <laughs> July 29, 2014, 11.47 a.m. East Coast time, updated November 8, 2017. It happened yet again. As I was sitting at the table for dinner with my children, I noticed my daughter's hand fishing around under her skirt. We don't play with our vulvas at the table. Go wash your hands and finish your food, I scolded. She nodded, ran off to wash her hands, and was seen picking at her dinner instead. Small children, they touch themselves a lot. It's fascinating to them. And when you're a small child, you have no sense of shame or disgust or fear of your body. Disgust. D-I-S-G-U-S-T. Your body is what it is. It does what it does, and everything that it does is kind of amazing. Because you're not old enough for lower back pain. It's not sexual. It's just bad. First time I caught one of my kids playing with their genitals, I said absolutely nothing. I was momentarily paralyzed with indecision. One thing I knew for a fact I did not want to do was to shout, no, or stop. What good could that possibly do? Sure, I would be spared the awkwardness of catching my child playing with their genitals on the living room floor. But what kind of lesson is that? To fear or ignore your own vagina? I thought about it almost constantly for two days, and of course she gave me a second chance to react. Sweetie, we don't play with our vulvas in the living room, I said which sounded ridiculous and strange, but nonetheless true. Why is everything with little kids' we statements? It's okay to touch your vulva, but people are private and it's a private thing. The only places where you should touch your vulva are in the bathroom or in your bedroom. If you want to play with your vulva, please go to the bedroom. And she smiled and did without question because compartmentalizing where you do certain activities makes sense to little kids. We don't eat in the bathroom. And we don't touch our vulvas in the living room became the new mantra. And yes, eventually it became we don't touch our vulvas at the table. I'm what some people call sex positive. That doesn't mean I talk with my four-year-olds about how great sex is and how good it feels. It means I don't pretend it's something other than it is. As parents, we lie all the time about the Easter Bunny or Santa or the Tooth Fairy about how long 10 minutes is but whether or not we remember they want to have grilled cheese for dinner again, we lie a lot. But one thing I never lie about is sex. I don't want them to grow up ashamed of their bodies or confused about what they do. I don't tell them about cabbage patches or storks. I make an effort always to be honest about human reproduction, every aspect of it. I've had talks with lots of other moms about having the talk. I don't think my kids and I will ever have that particular talk because they already know. And we talk about it often. Kids are obsessive creatures. We read, where did I come from and what makes a baby? Which together cover every aspect of the subject. We talk about IVF and C-sections because both of those are part of the story of their birth. And we talk, and we can talk about the fact that yes, mommy and daddy still have sex regardless and when they're older, We'll start talking about contraception. Because lying to your kids about sex helps nobody. Telling them that sex is only between mommies and daddies is a lie that leads to confused, hormone-charged teenagers. Telling them that sex is only something that happens when two people love each other very much is a lie that causes hormone-charged teenagers to confuse 
love with lust or obsession. It leads to leaps of logic, like if I have sex with this person, we must be in love. Or worse, if I love this person, I have to have sex with them. How many teenage tragedies are based on that misconception? Question mark. The truth is that human beings almost universally like sex. It feels good. And it's supposed to feel good. If it didn't, the human race would die out. The truth is that sex isn't special and magical just because it's sex. The truth is that you can have spectacular sex with strangers whose names you don't even know. The truth is that just because you can, that doesn't necessarily mean you should. And that's what sex positive parenting really is. Not telling my kids lies about sex to keep them from behaviors I don't think are healthy. It's telling them the truth, the whole truth, and letting it sink in so they can make their own good choices. It's telling them that sex is good, but that it's dangerous if you're not careful. It's teaching them to require their partners to use condoms, to buy their own condoms if they're planning on having sex. It's teaching them that while sex feels good, they can feel good on their own too, just not at the table. Masturbation. That while sex combined with love is often the best sex, transcendent sex, that grows the bond of love and builds a closeness that is almost impossible to find otherwise. Sex isn't always like that, even with people you love. That sex can lead to pregnancy, even with protection. So engaging in it is a commitment to deal with any consequences. Here's what I also say. You can have transcendent sex with someone that you're casual with too. That same type of sex they say happens best when you're in love, for some people happens best when this just casual between them. So teach their own, right? It's telling them they're not wrong or sinful or bad if they have sexual feelings or even if they have sex. It's teaching them that sex happens whether people always make good choices or not. It's giving them the tools to ensure that when they're ready, they're smart and cautious and conscientious. There's a lot of black and white comparisons when it comes to sex education. Some people think that once kids hit puberty, if they don't have a strong fear of sex, they'll have as much as they can, as often as they can. There's a lot of absence on the sex education based on telling kids, sex is scary, don't do it. It appears to be about the least successful program anyone has ever invented. Telling children the truth about sex isn't giving permission. Telling children the truth about sex isn't giving permission for them to have it. And this is the most important part, because when the right time comes, nobody has the right to deny them permission for sex but themselves. And that's the thing I try to keep in mind when I say things like, we don't touch our bulbs at the table. Sex is something that only happens when both people want it to happen. And that means that the only people in the entire world with any kind of say over whether or not my daughters have sex is them. I also say... You can talk about group sex in an age-appropriate way. Can't leave group sex out. I don't get to tell my daughters they have to have sex, but I also don't get to tell them they can't. They're in charge, your body, your decision. I never want to be responsible for setting the precedent that another person gets to tell them what to do with their bodies and especially with their sexuality. I don't want to be the gateway for a manipulative, potentially abusive boyfriend or manipulate a potentially abusive person who is not cisgendered or 
and they manipulated potentially abusive person who's straight and a person who's non-heterosexual. Just saying that too. So I teach boundaries, appropriate places, hygiene. I teach my children that nobody's allowed to touch their bodies without permission. When we get tickle fights and they say, stop, I stop. And we talk about pregnant friends. We talk about uteruses and sperm and eggs. And most of the time, it's not uncomfortable. Most of the time, I'm verifying information. The conversation lasts 15 seconds. And somebody, that, and someday the conversation is going to be a lot uglier. Someday we'll have to actually talk about rape and explicit and enthusiastic consent and contraception. Someday we'll have to talk about healthy masturbation and pornography and realistic expectations of sex and sex partners and body image and a lack of shame for their bodies. And those conversations are not going to be as brief or straightforward, but I'm ready. Whenever that day comes, I'm prepared because the groundwork is there. We don't touch our vulvas at the table. It's absurd, but it's got all the important pieces. It's a micro lesson in safety and consent and social property. I don't think I'll be able to say we don't lose our virginity in the backseat of a car after a prom party with a straight face, but I will be able to say we don't have sex without thinking long and hard about it first. We certainly don't do it without being careful and being safe and being totally confident in the maturity of our partner and our partners and our ability to handle the repercussions if we get a disease or get pregnant because it's true, we don't. But I like that when that time comes, I'm part of the we because if I can tell my girls we have to be careful to know that no matter what happens, I'm still in their corner. I've still got their backs. Even if we make bad choices, I'll still be there to help make things right again. What is sex positive parenting? Plus five ways to be a sex positive parent. But added added to Jindal, February 7, 2021. In a country where talking about periods still creates an uncanny silence in the room, unfolding a conversation about sex with children could be a grueling affair. Last year during the pandemic, some parents finally, quote unquote, came out of the closet to talk about sex with their children. We had to, after a point, it became impossible to explain to our 10-year-old daughter why she why she needed to sleep in her room. Meta, a 30-something mom, shared with me, how long can you dupe your children with the lame excuse that both mom and dad have some urgent business to be done in a locked bedroom? A recent meta-analysis based on 30 years of data collected from 25,314 adolescents in the United States shows that healthy and open conversation around sex promotes safer sexual behavior among the youth. The same study also feels that this relationship between parent-adolescent communication and safer sexual behavior is stronger for girls and teenagers. Not treating sexuality as a taboo is a part of sex-positive parenting. We Indians are always seated with rigid but impractical ideals and notions. Parenting is hugely impacted by our collectivistic notion of morality. When we as parents invite awkwardness or lie to our children about conversations around sex, we lose and our kids lose. Given the exposure children have these days, sex-positive parenting is inescapable. What is sex-positive parenting? Sex-positive parenting is derived from the term sex-positive, which simply means having a positive outlook towards sex, feeling comfortable with sexuality. Adopting sex-positive parenting refers to having a healthy and positive conversation about sex with your children and making them feel okay while talking about it. 
This parenting approach helps normalize an individual's sexuality and gaining acceptance of sexual differences. Why is it the need of the hour? Did you know that the idea behind being a sex-positive parent is actually to protect our kids? Yes, the inquisitive minds have a question bank larger than the next big car you want to buy. And if we as parents are not available to educate them about safe sex, they'll seek information from unreliable sources. Sex-positive parenting is more than simply telling your kid to use condoms. It is in bibbing safe sex practices, healthy boundaries, consent, understanding one's own body, body acceptance, and acceptance of all forms of sexuality. It starts as early when a preschooler is tutored about good touch and bad touch. As a parent, feel free to share your own experiences with them, even if they were embarrassing ones. This will help to build a culture of sharing, comfort, and learning. The social media wave has spared no one. It isn't possible that your child would not learn about sex. The internet is not to be trusted when it comes to educating a young mind. We all know that half knowledge is more dangerous than no knowledge. So fill that gap, start at home, start now. Five simple tips for sex positive parenting. Start by openly talking about puberty and how the body changes. Stories are good, but not when you concoct one to divert their mind away from sex. There are some ways you could get started. One, use the right terminology for body parts. Don't confuse them by using euphemisms for private parts. No, saying nunu or lady parts. Say vagina, penis, testicles, breasts. Remember, they are all human body parts, just like a leg or toe. Use them in your conversation, just like you use other body parts. Two. Teach them about consent and encourage practicing it in daily life. If your child is not comfortable kissing or hugging a relative or even you, respect that. Teach your child to speak up fearlessly to say no, no matter who it is they are comfortable being hugged or kissed by. Three, remember not to lie or shy away from the topic of sex. By treating sexuality as a taboo, you perpetuate the shame associated with it. Work through your own shame about sex instead of passing it on to the next generation. Start by educating yourself about it. Four, don't shy away from kissing your partner in front of your children. Affectionate behavior demonstrates an intimate, loving relationship in front of kids. Of course, don't start a crazy, passionate makeout section in front of the kids. Again, of course, don't start a crazy, passionate makeout session in front of the kids. But holding hands, hugging, loving pecks on the cheeks or the lips on, will, it will exemplify to the kids that physical touch is a way of showing affection. Five, instead of them finding resources that may be unreliable, how about you give them one? An interesting website that illustrates and teaches all things about X in a lighthearted way is amazed. Check it out if you need help from where to get started and how to do that in a casual yet straight up manner. Sex Positive Parenting, The Do's and Don'ts by Kate Klein, LMHC. Many of us have, many of us who have who had to talk with our parents 
recount moments of dread, awkwardness, and discomfort. While we may have been squirming in our seats and trying to wrap our head around old analogies such as a potted plant and a garden hose, our parents were most likely not hearing any better, unsure of what to say, how to respond to questions. As a result of living in a sex-negative society, the idea of openly talking about sex and sexuality with our partner, their partners, alone our children or child, can be scary and daunting. But what if we had a, a guide as to how to start a conversation with our children about sexuality? Sex-positive parenting has been gaining more attention lately, most likely due to the lack of comprehensive sex education in American school systems. The term sex positive refers to having a positive attitude about sex and feeling comfortable with one's own sexual identity as well as with the sexual behaviors of others. Sex positive parenting involves engaging in healthy conversations about sex and sexuality with our children while celebrating individual differences and normalizing the vast uniqueness of human sexuality. This parenting style is effective as it serves to support children's sexuality and sexual identity by acknowledging that our children are innately sexual beings who will be if they're not already curious about sexuality. The first step in practicing sex-positive parenting involves increasing our comfort level. Many adults feel awkward when talking about sexuality. To build confidence, try communicating ideas about sex while using correct vocabulary and terminology. Talk to your partner or close friend and think about how you first learned about sexuality. Was your experience positive or negative? How we learn about sex and our early sexual experiences affect the development of our sexuality and sexual self. This is why parents play such a major role in influencing a child's sexual behavior. The next step involves communication. While we often think of the talk as a one-time event, the idea behind sex-positive parenting involves having an ongoing conversation or series of talks spanning a child's development about the different aspects of sex and sexuality. Start the conversation earlier. Such dialogue is most effective when introduced timely in childhood. Birth and the, and the facts of procreation are a great place to begin because most toddlers are curious about how, body, about how babies are made. Information about anatomy and the difference between male and female and LGBTQ plus bodies can be discussed as well. Make sure to utilize anatomically correct language such as penis and vulva. Using slang terms like PP and coochie can lead to confusion and make your child think there's something shameful about their body. When your child asks about sex, make an effort to be available to answer questions honestly and without embarrassment. Try not to overwhelm them with information, rather than just answer specific questions with specific and clear answers that are appropriate to their age and comprehension level. A good time to talk about puberty. A good time to talk about puberty is around age seven or eight. Around the preteen age, you can start focusing on the basics of sexual behavior, human sexual response, sexual techniques and intercourse, information about boundaries and consent, pornography, sexual abuse, love and dating, and more complex questions about sexuality can be addressed next. A discussion about consent is a must and can be introduced as early as one year old. Create a list of scenarios that could occur in real life as a way to provide examples of healthy decision-making skills about sexual matters. Make an effort to utilize teachable moments, whether for movies and experience from yourself, a friend, or family member, when your child inevitably embarrasses you by talking about their penis or involvement in public. 
It's open and honest dialogue will allow you to share your information and knowledge or responding to any questions your children may have. Speaking to your children about sex and sexuality can be a scary process, especially if we as children do not have a sex-positive role model. Avoid shaming, overacting, ignoring, or reprimanding a child, as this can cause fear and insecurity to develop. Instead of listing off do's and don'ts, discuss your values and boundaries surrounding sexuality, including what you think is acceptable and unacceptable sexual behavior. If you have ever avoided or ignored a sexual question that was asked, don't fear. I have listed some resources below that you can use to increase your confidence and knowledge base when relaying information to your child or children. This blog is a collaborative effort from various bloggers aiming to bring their children up in a sex-positive way. One of their aims is to bring children up to not be constrained by their gender or gender stereotype. One that celebrates individual differences and supports children to develop emotional resilience, good body image and self-esteem, good relationship skills such as communication, trusting, honesty, and understanding with consent and negative relationships. Sex positive parents recognize that sex is inappropriate. Sex positive parents recognize that sex and appropriate contact is aren't shameful nor dirty. That we shouldn't be embarrassed about the human body and what it can do. Becoming the sex positive parent with Shahad Blacklove.com. A. Roshan Meadows Fernandez. I'm in the mommy. Why do me and dad have penises or peni? However, you make that work plural, but you and my sister don't stage of parenting. When he said it, I froze at the unexpectedness of the question. I wanted a perfect answer that was honest and simple without being transphobic. So I responded with some people have penises and others have balls. Thankfully, at four years old, he doesn't question the, techn the technicality of it all. He just said, okay, and walked out. As he turned the corner, I realized I'd been holding my breath. It's scary raising two black kids, helping them develop a healthy sense of self, and navigating the potholes the world has waiting for us. It feels like messages on consent and sex positivity are the latest additions to an already overwhelming list. But as it turns out, sex and sexuality are lessons that our kids can't afford to miss. What a sex positive parenting. I spoke with Melissa Carnegie, LBSW, founder of Sex Positive Families, an organization that provides education and support to help families raise sexually healthy children every age and stage. She says, sexuality is an integral part of being human. That is with us and shapes how we relate to ourselves, others, and the world around us. She defines a sex positive home culture as an environment where parents Commit to open and ongoing conversations about sexuality, sex, and their bodies to make sure their children feel informed and supported. It means eliminating shame so our children feel safe to come to us with everything, even the hard stuff. And while all children need love and support to thrive, our kids, who are often treated differently than non-Black kids, can find particular benefit in a shame-free home with open communication. It's important that Black youth 
have the opportunity to understand and connect with their bodies because that connection is power and understanding of the inherent worthiness. This understanding coupled with unawakened support at home makes youth less vulnerable to self-harm or influences that may not have their best interest in mind, Carnegie explains. What's wrong with doing it quote-unquote old school? Of course, we aren't intentionally discouraging our kids from talking to us about sex. We're just raising them as we were. Still ignoring conversations about sex in the body or responding to innocent questions with accusations sends a message they're doing something wrong. As sex-positive families, they hope to show parents that teaching sexuality from a place of fear and focusing on the negatives of sex, such as an early pregnancy and the risk of STI, send the wrong message. Carnegie says we miss out on a chance to ensure youth feel prepared for sexual decision-making, consent, and healthy relationships when we fail to talk with young people about sexual pleasure. Likewise, just don't do it talks are suggesting sex is only happening in marriages presents its own problems. Mostly, it's a lie and leaves them underprepared. And that's before we even consider how women and LGBTQI plus individuals' experiences are overshadowed or ignored by most sex ed programs, leaving them to seek answers from media and peers. Don't be afraid to start small. We can do this, folks. We just have to start small by planting the seeds of bodily autonomy, one's ownership of their own body and consent. Telling our kids they don't have to give hugs or kisses if they don't want to is an easy way to start. Also letting them know that waves and high fives are alternative. Allowing them to set their own boundaries, teach their kids to trust themselves and that they always have the option to say no to physical contact. I've started telling my son, we don't touch other people's bodies without permission and we only touch our bodies in our rooms. Hopefully it provides the foundation to help him and someday his younger sister understands permission should be a non-negotiable prerequisite for touch. The oppressive way folks perceive black male sexuality makes this conversation even more nuanced. My daughter will learn that questions about sex don't make her quote unquote fast, just curious. Similarly, despite America's track record of trying to control the black female body, she will know that she alone decides if and when someone can be intimate with her. My husband and I are working towards this by making sure we use real terms like vulva, genitals, and penis instead of euphemisms, instead of euphemisms in our home. What about their innocence? Critics worry that teaching our kids real words and having a conversation about sex too young sends the wrong message. Our expert shuts this down and says research suggests the opposite. When young people receive education and support specifics to their sexual health, they're more likely to delay their sexual debut. Use contraception when they do have sex and be thoughtful about the number of sex partners they engage with, Carnegie explains. We can't control when our children become sexually active, but we can make sure we give them a solid foundation for having shame-free conversations about the body. Remember, young children start out coding all languages neutral. As parents, we create the meanings they attach to the words that color our world by the way we react to them. In our house, words like penis or vulva are just descriptors, no different from arm and foot. We're intentional about using these words so they have been normalized and can be used when necessary. The foundation we create with language matters. It will form what issues our children believe are safe to bring us. The foundation we create with language matters. It will inform what issues our children believe are safe to bring to us later in life. 
and want my children to feel comfortable talking to me about everything, often that means removing the filter. Generally, it's not even about sex. It's so much easier to assess the kids' body pains and look out for things like UTIs at risk that comes with my son's kidney tissues when they use the right words. Educating through trauma. Many of us have our own painful stories that intensify the importance of the talks. Simply put, it's hard to create a sex-positive environment as you're healing from trauma. Parenting can be very tricky, especially, especially if you're a survivor of sexual trauma. Healing is a journey, not a destination. So it's important that parents connect with the people in spaces supportive of that journey, whether it's therapy, their faith community, a trusted peer or partner, journaling, meditation, or movements as Carnegie. Books like The Body is Not Apology by Sonia and Renee Taylor and podcasts such as Therapy for Black Girls might assist with that journey. Of course, nothing replaces a relationship with a mental health professional. Thankfully, there's a level of healing and knowing by embracing sex positivity, we're doing what we thankfully there's level of healing and knowing by embracing sex positivity, we're doing what we can to protect our children. That's worth acknowledging. See this as an opportunity to be the parent you needed growing up and know that by raising kids in a sex-positive way, you're equipping them with the information and support that makes them better able to advocate for their safety and pleasure along their path to firm Carnegie. Still not sure where to start? No worries. Sex-positive families has developed a reading list for kids of all ages to help us along the way. So I agree with all these words and all these articles because all the articles is words. I would do the same thing if I was a foster parent, an adoptive parent, a biological parent, and my kid is here assaulted my sperm banking, right? Um, also, I would be okay with my children or child having casual sex and marital sex. Romantic sex, committed partner sex. I'm okay with my child or children being LGBTQIA plus and, and embracing LGBTQIA plus culture. I would just want my children to, or child, to be uh, sane and safe in terms of making uh, sexual uh, decisions. As I said, if I was a sex positive parent, I'd be okay with my kids. being sexually true to themselves, being true to their gender identity or gender identities, being true to their sexual orientation, and being true to their sex characteristics too. And I'll teach my kids my constant pregnancy I don't mind them having children 
once they get out of their teens, especially if they are financially responsible, they have regular money coming in, right? And their partners or, you know, the other parents are decent people, then I don't mind that kind of out of wedlock pregnancy. I don't mind those kind of out of wedlock pregnancy. I don't mind those kind of out of wedlock child rearing or children rearing out of wedlock. I don't mind that at all. I don't mind my children bringing home somebody of a different race. I don't mind my children being with an older person if they're legal adults themselves. I want my children to be intimate with people who are high quality hearted individuals. I would be okay with my offspring being strippers and porn performers and doing all the other twenty-three types of sex work. I would be okay with being sex workers. I would make sure that whoever they're with honors their human rights, their civil and political rights, their economic, social, cultural rights, and their equal rights. That is how I personally feel. I fully support sex-positive parenting. If I were to have children or a child, I would be a sex-positive parent myself. So, thank you for hearing my heart. 